This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Futurology Show. Brett Lindsay, the resident digital philosopher here. We have a different show for you today because for the first time, the Futurology Show will be broadcasting from a stage. We were recently invited to the Icon SA event. It's South Africa's oldest and largest gaming convention. And we were joined on stage by tech girl Sam Wright who is one of South Africa's top gamers and has in-depth knowledge of the games and the technology behind the games. She's traveled the world and has seen some amazing things. So she's going to be thrilling us with some great uh, stories from her travels. But join us as we take an in-depth look at how technology has been changed by gaming. This is CliffCentral.com. And welcome to Futurology, everybody. Uh, It's been a great uh, couple of weeks. I must admit, I've been really excited the last couple of days. We've got to spend it at Icon, and uh, we, we, we're here right now. Awesome. Are. Um, uh, boys, are we, are. are we live? Are we on? We are live. We're on. We're on. Hey? They let Mike, us the studio, which Welcome is great. to the show, bud. Good to see you at Icon. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a new experience for me, because the, the last game I played, I think, was Pac-Man in, the, you know, in 1980. See, I'm worried you're so, saying Pac-Man. The last game I'm you sure played was Pac-Man. by yourself. No, it's Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, it's Pac Man. <laughs> Ignore him. How are you, bud? Yeah, yeah, good, man. The last game I played was CSGO, so a little bit more relevant to, uh, to today. Uh, and I, I tried to play it with some of those like really fast little 10 year olds in Hong Kong, but they've got way faster speeds online, and I got headshots every 10 seconds. Every time I refragged, I was dead as quick as I had spawned, so it was awesome. But yeah, that's, that's as close as I can get to gaming. The rest of it's about time. I don't really have the time I wish I had to play games. So, guys, it's great to have all of us, not in studio, but actually at Icon. Let us out. That's fantastic. I I hope everybody can hear us. There's a lot of noise here, but I think it'll be fine, right? It's a busy event, eh? 25 years in, and it's still so popular, which is great. It's great to see people getting dressed up. The cosplay is amazing. Yeah, it's cosplay judging today, I believe. Oh, cool. And it's 25 years old. I mean, that is great to have an event like this in South Africa that's 25 years old. It's wild to see that that type of culture exists. So on that note, if you're listening, please go follow us on at Futurology Show. Um, Please, when you go to uh, the iPod, iTunes Store, and all the different uh, podcasting platforms, please give us a a five-star rating, guys. Uh, We're really looking forward to your feedback on the show. Um, And let's get into it. So today I'm really excited. Uh, We've got a, a tech girl with us, right? Sam Wright's on the show with us. She's an absolute gaming freak. Is that a good name to say? It's a fair name to say, I think. Yeah, I'm a little bit gaming obsessed. Gaming obsessed, of course. (laughs) So, Sam, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. We're extremely excited to have you on the show. Give us a little bit of background. Like, what are you interested in? Why are you such a gamer? I think... I don't know why I'm such a gamer. Like I said, I think I just don't have a laugh. I don't like people. I prefer being at home online. Not really. Um, I am a blogger, yeah. content creator. Love started... your blog, by the way. It's oh, fantastic. What's your blog? Tickle. 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 Are you that Sam? I'm that oh, Surprise. Welcome to the party, Mike. <laughs> I do think that maybe I should have thought of a better name. Because I'm, I turned 30 like two weeks ago. And my mom was like, you can't be Tickle if you're 30. And I was like, thanks, mom. Yes. I love you too. So yes. yeah. that's got to change. So, blogger. Happy, happy birthday, for two weeks yeah, ago. Thank you, Did you have a good party? No. I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think I played some, some Lego City Undercover, which is a 12-year-old's game, and then went too big. You were uh, feeling your age. I was feeling my age just a little bit. But yeah, so like, started the blog, content creation, started YouTube. I'm really passionate about esports, so yeah. started doing some esports hosting. I think basically I just had absolutely no cooking clue what to do with my life. 
so just tried a bunch of stuff and it seemed to work out. Throw, throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks up there. But you get to travel around the world a lot now, don't you? So I was in Taiwan two weeks ago for, for Computex, which was wow. mind-blowing and like possibly one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Just being in that space with that much technology and just yeah. so many people uh, and getting to see everything launched and get to go play with it right there and then, that was pretty rad. So, so what were the kind of key highlights that you saw there? So what, like, what really impressed you? Because I mean like for me, uh, I guess these are Apple boys, I get more excited about yeah, the, 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 the Google Mr. launches and, and, and they more stuck around the Apple launches. So what was exciting there? So it's a bit strange for me because I actually I have a MacBook that I, I edit all my videos on because yeah. I can't use Premiere Pro at all. So no. uh, iMovie is my favorite. So I'm in the Apple, in, like, I'm in that ecosystem and I love it, but then I'm like conflicted because I'm on the other side. So it's always a little bit tough for me. I jump between the two. But balance is good. So yeah, yeah I just want all the things. Yeah. Um, but for me, Computex, what was amazing, funny enough, is not Computex itself, but it was actually because one of the things was getting to go around Taiwan where you have this incredible gaming culture and, yeah. and going to a mall, which is exactly like our shopping centers, except it's just tech brands. But oh, wow. it's so different to what we have. So it's not if you go if, if you come here to a store. I won't mention brands because I'll probably be in trouble. But you'll go no, you to a brand. Store. You can mention brands. Okay, so think about it. You can it. be good and you can be bad as well. So you go into an eye store and it's cool. You've got all your little MacBooks yeah. there and you mm. can go and you can look at them. That's it. And and maybe you go into a, a store that sells a PlayStation and you can mm. see it in the box over there. But that's it. Yeah. Whereas these stores, I mean, they had. MSI, Asus, Razer, they have these these different areas which are stores selling the stuff. Yeah. And when you walk in, there's no boxes of stuff. It's literally, the, the Razer thing was, as you walk in, they've got some products on the side and then they've just got tables where kids can we come display, and right? just play. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's a three-screen Razer that was stolen from the uh, CES show. Uh, it wasn't Did you hear about that? I, I haven't heard about that one, actually. Oh, yeah, you're going to tell me now. No, the, the first time, <laughs> so Razer came out with this uh, three-screen laptop. <coughs> yeah, was cool, all, eh? Yeah, it was amazing. I'd so hate to see how it falls away. It lasted two days on the CES show this year <gasps> at Vegas. No. And somebody nicked it from the stand. How did they get it out? That's amazing. Great question. And now all of a sudden they're like knockoffs. Of this razor oh, thing, like, no. okay. So yeah. what the guy that made the knockoff, he stole them. He stole yeah. them. But they, they, are crazy. they had that store. MSI had an experience store where you could go, and it was just about playing on the stuff, which I thought was yeah. completely different to to what we have here, where it's like, look at this cool thing that will show you, it. but you can't have it and you yeah. can't touch it. This was like, just come and play yeah. on it and, and get an experience. Were they prototypes? Were they like allowing people to play with like newer than new stuff? So that they do at Computex itself, so you can pitch up. So they would, so they would launch gaming notebooks, they would launch new tech, and it would be there, and you could literally just go and start playing on it that have guys that they had quite a few streamers from around the world who were on the stand just streaming mm. so you could get like hands on with it which That's I cool. loved and then the one thing that I also loved is in these malls as well they have these VR rooms um, and you can go and play virtual reality wow. games so it's pretty just much really accessible anyone plug you in have to, yeah, you have to pay a, an entrance fee for that yeah. but like they had they had this one game so I'm absolutely terrified of hearts uh, and it's a room and what they had is they had cushions on either side and a plank and you stand on the other side, you put these ridiculous shoes on, they look like Crocs. Mm. Um, and you put the shoes on and you put the VR headset on. And the moment you put the VR headset on, you're, you're in this, this incredible space, it looks like you're on a cliff, and you have to walk across this like, it, it's almost like a steel Please plank. Please tell me somebody took a video of you doing that. Oh, I got it. It's, it's, I look like, what, someone, ex someone described it as a toddler learning to walk. But what they didn't tell you, and this is what I thought was quite cool, because you don't get to go in the room and watch other people do it. They let me video, but when you're in there, they don't tell you, because you start walking on this plank, and you, if you turn behind with the VR, you can see these zombies chasing yeah. you. So now you know you have to get off the plank. 
when you look down, it looks like you're going to drop, and there's these dragons flying around. And as the dragons get closer, the plank starts rocking. No, so all they do is, they li- and they are literally moving it so little, you can't fall off. Yeah, yeah. But because you're in the space, Your I went, I was freaking out, and I'm terrified of heights. And also, <laughs> I kept looking down, and she, and, and the woman helping me went, don't look down. I'm like, it's VR. Like, the whole reason I'm here is to look down. She was like, don't look down, walk across the plank, walk I, I across the plank. I fear of heights, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, why would I wear this and not look down? And then eventually... Were you mumbling to yourself, it's not real, it's not real, it's not real. <laughs> the thing is, the, the rocking, you're telling yourself that, and it, obviously you know you're in the space, yeah. it's not, but the rocking of that plank, just, and you know you're not, your brain is going, they can't rock this that you'll fall off, you're not going to fall off. Yeah. But your head is still going, you're going to fall off and die. It's incredible. And then eventually you get to jump on the dragon, which I never did. I was like, nah, screw that. Took the headset (laughs) off. I was like, I'm done. I ain't jumping on anything. But it's seriously cool. I mean, gaming's come a long way since Pac-Man, hey? Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Are we going to rag you for the rest of your life on this one? Yeah, you are. Is that really the last game you played? No, no, it's not. It was Candy Crush, No, no, I can't get into those things. I did play three. I've taken all the games off my phone because I spend too much time sitting on the toilet. You know, it's just too distracting. I'm just wondering if these were games. I don't think they were games, Mike. Did your mother never teach you that if you have nothing good to say, don't say anything? Listen, this conversation is getting a bit shitty. But let's go on. Um, no, no. So the kids obviously play Xbox. So, so I, I do 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 a bit of exercise with them playing the. Exercise. You know, so it's justification to my wife why we're allowed to play. You know, the, the boys are allowed to play. So, but yeah. guys, I've been thinking we've actually jumped straight into the future, right? Yeah, I was about to say. Like right we're the deep end of. So we're going to jump forward. We'll come back. And we can. And then we'll kind of get lost yeah. somewhere yeah, in between. Right? Space yeah. time is irrelevant. Fantastic. So, I mean, the theme of today's show is really about uh, the impact that gaming has had on technology, right? And I I have to admit, I'm a bit naive. I always thought it was pornography. But that has gone far further with the gaming world than anything else. I mean, we were just talking about the broadcasting technology and then the (laughs) programming languages, what's happening there is all derived from the gaming True community, story. right? I mean, these gaming engines are now more powerful than any computer uh, character gen that ever existed in broadcast. Yeah. So for 20 years, these broadcasters have been using character gen, um, made by some legacy proprietary guy somewhere, thought, oh, this would be a great idea. I can, I can put somebody's name underneath them on the newsreel. But now we're using Unity and we're using Unreal gaming engines in broadcast space, and they've literally just leapfrogged all these guys and been like, you know, we can do this better. And a lot of the big broadcast guys out there have said, well, I, we see that. So all the virtual sets you see now, all being used on Unreal Engine. Uh, a lot of the game mechanics in the, uh, these game shows, all using Unity on the back end uh, for this real-time graphics is happening, and it's that's affecting broadcast. So everybody's like, "Oh, cool! Gaming is getting so so popular that it needs its own broadcast, ESL, and all these other esports uh, programs." But broadcast, traditional broadcast, actually accepting so much more of the technology made available to it because of gaming, and that's wild to see. I mean, that's just gonna You've got now other sectors of the industry forging forward with advancing the technology. I think that that's what, what's so cool about gaming. That we we I was when I was driving, I had a conversation with a friend of mine in the car, and we were saying that it's it's really about gamers want that that experience. They want yeah. it to be as real as possible, as good. Like, and it is. It comes down to that quality as well. They want this authentic experience. They want it to be real. And because of that, the quality of technology that that's developed specifically for gaming is just so much better. Yeah. So it makes sense that that everyone else will yeah. come in and go, okay. Let's go and hop off that. You've nailed it in the head because uh, uh, we, we were talking about Mary Mika's report a couple of weeks ago. And um, we've watched 
the GPU processing power go from 5G plops to now literally 12 years, 13 years later, we're sitting at 10,000 G flops that are required to fade run Paragon. I mean, that's crazy the amount of processing power that's being thrown behind these kind of games to ensure that reality, right? But also, I don't even want to run the game. I also want to be able to chat to all my friends while I'm mm. doing it, and I want to film myself, yeah. and I want to be broadcasting yeah. that up to the internet so into everyone can internet. see what I'm doing. YouTube so it. The, the amount in the processing. The, the amount of work that, that has mm. to go into it. So they obviously got to develop these machines more and more and more mm. to make sure that, because I want to do all the things at the same time, in one go, on one machine. Low latency, no latency. No, yeah, no, no time for that. Yeah. What is latency? Yeah. It's the reply time, <laughs> the response time to something happening. I saw one of the coolest t-shirts. Someone showed me it was a little buffer, and I can't remember what the tagline was. Damn it, now I've forgotten. Anyway, pause. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But all, I've seen lots of cool t-shirts yeah. today, by the way. So, some just down-to-earth questions. What console do you play with yes. at home? Oh, PS4. PS4? So I've got a PS4 and a Nintendo Switch. I have an Xbox One. I don't have an Xbox One. My housemate has an Xbox One, but it's in the cupboard because... Uh, okay. Sometimes our mom... Because you had a shelf and there was some space. And yeah, that was and also like our moms come around and then they, they comment about it. Like, we're both, we're both, you know, a little bit older females yeah. just playing <laughs> video games by ourselves. Like, they have... The stereotype of, of a gamer is this overweight guy sitting in a basement eating pizza, but it's actually not the case. It's... Yeah. My housemate and I eating pizza in our lounge, playing like seven different consoles. Or she'll sit in yeah. the lounge and play one, and I'll sit in my bedroom and play another, and then we'll play against each other. But we're in the same house. I don't. It's confusing. It's well, great. it's not really because I mean, if you actually look at Mary Meeker's report, um, and, and she she really presents this the, the internet trends, um, and it's like the the penultimate report every year. And, and gaming came in, and and the shift in, in understanding the demographic is massive. Certainly, the woman gamer. The female gamer coming through is is a far more stronger play, and and it's a lot more relevant, as you say. It's not like sitting in the basement overweight. Well, I was shaped to, to, for three days. You yeah. mentioned about sitting on the toilet on your phone, but I, do you know how many moms I see at like because I hang around randomly at school playgrounds? But um, do you know how many moms <laughs> I see? <laughs> I'm feeling every stereotype. There's no gender bias against girls <laughs> yeah. sitting around. I've seen so many moms when they're like waiting for their kids, or like some of my friends who have smaller kids and have to go and do weird parenting things. They'll they'll be sitting there and they, they sit on their yeah. phone playing games, and I think mobile gaming is just getting bigger and bigger because it is. for them the candy crushes of the world are actually the time wasters that they need while little Billy finishes his swimming or whatever else. It's filling the moments. Exactly. And I mean, the mind-numbingly boring stuff that you can play on your phone that actually the whole time you're playing you're going, this is ridiculously bad, Flappy Birds. It's so bad for me and this is so dumb. But it's just that time waster that for some reason you just want to keep doing. But I think it's also the quality of their games because if I look at my kids, um, you know, they've got uh, the TV, they've got uh, the, the, the laptop, they love playing the games on the iPad, you know, and it's actually where they go and play their games, you know, as opposed to using the Xbox more than they go and sit on the... On the but it's the quality of the experience that's coming through. Um, I, have a, I don't play on my phone because um, I just don't have enough battery life to get through the day. But <laughs> I got a Nintendo Switch recently, which is the mobile mm. console. I love that thing. Like, it goes everywhere with me because it's fun and you can sit on there and you can play it. And yeah. a lot of the games are not... I mean, I know there's, there's Zelda and there's, there's a far more intricate ones, but I really just like Street Fighter, five minutes, I can just go and kick yeah, someone in the head someone. for a bit, and I'm like, yeah, I feel better, off I go, you know? Or Super Mario, I'll just drive a little cart around, and for some reason that makes me quite happy. So I think 
the iPad makes sense to me as well yeah. because it's the same sort of principle. It's, it's the quick fix. Whereas if I sit in, in, down in front of a PS, a PS4, and I'm going to play a game, I'm, I'm yeah, probably going to invest in. three, yeah. four hours into exactly. this. And, and your phone's generally secondary to any other experience that you're, you're having while you're gaming. Everything else turns off. It's exactly. game time. Exactly. Now, when you're playing your Super Mario Kart or something, and you are, are you playing for the enjoyment of gaming, or are you actually out to accomplish something? Like, are you level focused? No, because I suck. Um, I'm really bad at video games. <laughs> so like, I'm going to play this because it's fun. But my problem is, is that I'm super competitive by nature. Yeah. So if I play something I want to win, and then I suck at it, and then I can't win, and then I rage quit. But by rage quit, I mean I'll stand up and I'll scream and shout and I'll walk off. But then I'll be back in five minutes being like, oh, I'm going to do this. So yeah, I, like for me though, it's I like the competitive side, but I'm not from a gaming point of view. I'm not good at it. But I so I'll, I'm really invested in competitive gaming because I like to watch it. I like to I like competition in general. So I like watching the intricacies of, of how it works when you watch CS:GO and, and understanding yeah. the dynamics. Because when I play CS:GO. I'm terrible. Like, I just run in, shoot, 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 first person killed, entry frag, the worst entry frag in the world because I don't hit a single person, but I get killed. But I'm, like, excited because I just want to run in and shoot people. I, I have a group of mates who play online, and we all, it's, it's knife fight. You don't, you, there's no guns. It's all knife fights. You've literally got to run around and just, like, maim everybody. That's so much knife. fun. Like, it we were, is. I, I, funny enough, I was talking, there was some of the esports guys from a new MGO we had yesterday, and there's, there's a little kid called Massacre. He's, like, 16. So yeah. He's probably one of the best CSGO players in yeah. the country. His favorite thing in the world is when he plays like a training match with other teams. So they'll go online. It's like a Thursday night. Most of these guys, Massacre's in high school, but most of these other guys are like 24, 25. They're, they're computer programmers, attorneys, investment bankers. These are busy men. They've got to come in. They've got to play their game. They want to train with their team, and then they want to go off and, and have their life. Yeah. So the knife round is always the quick one. We do the knife round. We'll get it over with. Not Massacre. He runs around the map. And then on TeamSpeak, we'll just be going, come catch me, come catch me, and laugh his head off. So now they've all refused to play with him. But, I mean, that's his favorite thing. And then I, yesterday when he was here, I actually asked him about it for the first time. I was like, Massacre, you know you really piss people off. And his response was, I know, and it's funny. So. <laughs> Have you seen things change over the, over the years in terms of, like, society, community, I think is a better word. Yeah. Yeah. You're playing with your housemate. I mean, you guys are—you've got your your chips and your your drinks, and you, you've got like a whole night plan. You're going to be doing so, but you're not land gaming. You're not you're not going online to play with everybody else. It's head to head. Have you seen a change in dynamic and how people used to play, like land parties? Where you used to get a group of guys together versus this global community that now exists, where you are playing Russia and. Argentina and everybody all together. Maybe not Argentina, but Hong Kong at least. And they have the, the guys with fast broadband. I, yeah, I mean, I what's wrong with Argentina? Yeah, they, they're, Argentina. they're all on edge. <laughs> I think. I think what's really what's Literally. really great though, and and we, I think we'll see it more and more. And and I mean, the whole conversation about how gaming impacts technology. Like, I think you're going to see this start happening. I found as time has gone on, things like TeamSpeak, the fact that you can get stuff done with anyone in the world, you can be playing a game and you can be chatting to your teammates and, and off you can go. You're already seeing it, like it's, it's in the most like, basic way, filtered down into work. Like I find people are less inclined to have meetings now. They're like, okay, cool, it's yeah. just Skype calls. I was like, that, yeah. that originated because we all as gamers figured out mm, that we exactly actually don't need to sit in a room with you and talk to you. Like we can yeah. do this. I mean, that's the most basic of it. But I find that more and more that it, it happens online. So we'll be like, cool. Tuesday nights, I mean, I know, for example, last night I have um, some YouTuber friends that, that I work with and, and that we, we game, and, and they were all sending messages. It was like 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. Do you guys want to hang out? And by hang out, they literally meant they were all going to go play Battlefield together. So one lives in PE, the other one lives down the road from me, and then someone else is like in Ramburg. 
their definition of hanging out on a Saturday night is to play Battlefield and just chat to each other. And then, like, I was watching the WhatsApp conversation where the one guy was like, cool, I'm just going to go grab a beer. And they're talking as if they're sitting in a bar, yeah. Yeah. but they're actually mm. just... They're never leaving their house, so they never actually see each other, but they're having a cool Saturday night altogether. It's to be in different universes, literally. And that's the thing, and, and yeah. it is. It's a great way to bring people together because it's fun. And like you meet so many... I know there's lots of talk about the, the dodgy environments of yeah. gaming online, but you just get to meet so many cool people. Awesome. For me, it's a great example of Mixit, right? So Mixit yeah. evolved from that gameplay environment. Everyone loved the chat ecosystem, and they just 100%. kept on building out the chat ecosystem and dropped off the gameplay. Well, I think the gameplay still existed, you know, in one of the rooms. Yeah, I, I, I think so. But I, I think to take your point further, you know, the d gamification has had a huge impact on, or gaming has had a huge impact on technology. Oh, yeah. But if we look at this from a psychological point of view, in terms of human motivation and what you're saying, the ability to enjoy yourselves, you know, on a Saturday night as though you're sitting in the same room. And, and you look at where business is actually going, it's all about gamification, actually. You know, it's this underlying motivation. How do we create these incredible experiences that you experience in Taiwan? No, it it's is. Because though. they're all executives. They're they're executives. Damn it, I'm only having fun when I'm playing games. Yeah, when I'm playing Let's bring it, it into the workspace. <laughs> bring it into the workspace. And if you look at the world of education, which is supported by Mary Meeker's uh, uh, stuff, you know, and I mean, it's the world I come out of, is, is the education and communication. It, gaming is having a huge impact on how people actually perform in work um, and do their day-to-day -day job. If you turn it into a game, it's cool. It's fun. It's exciting. Well, I think that's, that gaming is fun. I mean, that's the bottom line. Why do you play games? It's fun. It's fun. It's, it's entertaining. Whether you're competitive and you, or you yeah. suck or you just... It's fun. And, and when you're having fun, you, you're going to invest far more time in it. I can spend... I think I, Injustice 2 came out and I got this thing that I just wanted to finish the story and I wanted to finish it now. So it was like four or five hours a day of just yeah. playing Injustice 2, completely ingrained in it without even realizing how much time it was taking yeah. up. And when you enjoy something, you put more time into it. And from a workspace, sure. it makes sense. Make it, and even education, make it fun. Make I it a game. People are going to put more time into it, and then they're more likely to actually Absolutely. learn. Um, if you take a look at business today, I mean, like, well, not business today, but business maybe five, ten years ago, you kind of stuck with your KPIs in front of you, your, your indicators that you have to achieve. Which is a leaderboard. It's a, well, <laughs> yeah. it is now a leaderboard. But back at, a couple of years ago, you, you're literally in this day-to-day -day grind, and you're working to... A, an end goal that you don't know. When you look at gaming, we know that there is an end goal. We, we know what the end state is. This is the win state of this game. I am here, I need to get there. And they've started incorporating that into business. This is the goal. Let's get to the goal. And showing people how far they are in the progress to, to attaining that goal, it, it actually starts ramping up productivity. Because people are more inclined to say, well, actually we're, we're achieving something. I'm not coming into work from 9 to 5 and sitting there going, what the hell am I doing here? There's actually this game state in play, in business, yeah. saying, and it's, it's encouraging employees to actually be more productive. But what we, I found as well is like we've got a couple of gamers that we've employed. And we employed them because they actually put, I am a gamer, on their CV. And it's amazing because they've got collaborative thinking. They've got critical thinking. They can, they can problem solve. They know but, how to innovate and iterate because they've been in this constant yes. cycle of try, fail, try again, try, fail, try yeah. again, try, and fail, try again. Exactly. Repetition. Learn and learn and learn. Yeah. Failure is okay. Yeah. But... You've got businesses have got to start adapting to encouraging this type of mentality within the workspace. Gamers are going out there saying, oh, I'm a gamer, I want to be a professional gamer. But not everybody, realistically, is going to be a professional gamer. Just like no one's going to be a professional golfer or rugby player. 
but you can still make a living or, or, or podcaster or podcaster yeah. <laughs> this might be my last like word just keep throwing the same, yeah. all, our, all our career paths but there's got to be something where you can make money doing what you love and if there's an opportunity where we're pulling some of that game mechanic into workplaces it's phenomenal what are your thoughts on that sorry I think that, that the, no I mean I completely agree with you and sorry I also, Sam he tends not to ask questions I don't ask questions yeah. he, he makes a statement just wait for me to answer I agree with you completely I also it's like you said I think everyone the fact that you mentioned that, though, putting I'm a gamer on your CV, I mean, you wouldn't have done that three years ago. You no. wouldn't have dared. The moment you say, oh, well, like, what do you do as a hobby? I game. Oh, well, you're antisocial. You won't be good in the workplace. You... Now it's, okay, cool. this is someone that we actually need to hire because they're likely playing yeah. online, interacting, like you said, the problem yeah. solving. So I think that that's the first step. But I also think that that is an interesting one as well from a career point of view where you said you can't be, like, not everyone's going to be a professional gamer. But it is actually probably a benefit for you in any chosen field because you've got that critical thinking, you understand yeah. problem solving, yeah. you've yeah. you've had to deal with a multitude of different people in, in situations, high pressure situations. So all of those benefits are there. And I can imagine that more progressive companies are, are actively seeking that out. Yeah, sure. So on that note, we're kind of reaching a midpoint. And if you just joined us and you're listening to the show, it is the Futurology on Cliff Central. And... Today we are talking about the impact of technology in the gaming environment. Uh, we've got Sam Wright in the studio with us today, and the studio is actually at Icon. And it's been absolutely fabulous. Yeah. We, we've got to see the most incredible gaming environment. The cosplay judges are here today, and we're really excited. I saw the Master of the Universe here. earlier. Master of the Universe. Brain. Oh yeah, And kid, the kid's car is here. Michael yes. Knight's car is here. And it actually works, you know that. Does it you actually can actually drive? start it up oh, and wow. drive, apparently. No, so, I, also, I heard it works. I, apparently, you can also rent this, the Ghostbusters van as well. You can rent oh, that. So yeah. like, obviously, there's my weekend plan. Like. So when there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? So we've been talking about problem-solving, critical thinking. It kind of starts tapping on a discussion that we always get into, which is artificial intelligence. And yeah. I think the gaming community has been really good at trying to understand that balance between challenge and yeah. ability, as I'll check my notes. <laughs> but trying to find that balance, because if it's not challenging enough, you're going to get bored, right? 100%. Especially the, the, the more ability you have in the game, but, and vice versa, if you have uh, too much of a challenge, the anxiety levels go through the roof. So all these gaming businesses are starting to use artificial intelligence to try and figure out that optimal path, to keep you going as far as you can. I mean, do you see that kind of evolving in the gaming and esports space, I suppose? You know? less, less so from a gaming point of view and more so from a, I find it interesting because a lot of the companies that because when I do my actual job um, <laughs> a lot of the companies that, that I've worked for have actively seeked out AI as, as something mm. to, to tie into their business sometimes for no reason other than the fact that they just want to be able to say that they've got it yeah, we're doing AI yes we're doing AI <laughs> but a lot of the times it's just for simple tasks that actually that I find that it just makes the whole process so much quicker and easier and it's, it's an interesting route that we're going and I, and I know that the, the naysayers would say stuff like oh well AI is about to replace you know this is going to replace your job but a lot of the time it's not there to replace it just simply makes it better it allows yeah. you to, yes. to be cool better at what work. you do yeah. Yeah. the first machine learning element right is yeah. kicking in there vast amounts of data crunching it through yeah. sorry Brett no no it's fine but that's gaming is sort of teaching us how to become the society of the future we're already starting this interaction with AI in how gaming works we've got this link from the physical world into the, into the game space and the virtual space and AI is going to come out of gaming just like everything else came out of gaming but it's fundamentally going to change the way in which we live in the next 10 to 20 years yeah so will there be corporate that. politics as a game 
Let's hope. Let, let's hope not. Well, let's hope they've actually put a, a definitive win state on that on that thing. That'd be great. So people like Trump don't get in. Come on. Come on. Okay, politics aside. But yeah, I, what do you think? Let, let's really throw forward to the future. I mean, we're on the Futurology yeah, show. I think like there. Next ten minutes. Let's talk about the next ten years. Where do you see gaming as gaming going? And how do you see gaming affecting where we're going as society? So I saw something really interesting on, I think it was ESL, um, one of the international broadcasts, I think. I might be wrong, it might have been Starladder. But one of the things that you can now do is that if you had a VR headset at home, you could download this app. They, they, there was a program that was running. Download this app, put the VR headset on, and while someone was playing, so I'm a CSGO fan, so I keep going back to CSGO, but yeah. while your two favorite teams were playing CSGO, so, so maybe you had Navi versus Virtus Pro or Hevals, you put this VR headset on, you download the app, and you can step into the map. As an invisible bot. As us. an invisible yeah. bot. So you would be in VR, yeah. and you would literally just be able to be standing next to these players, walking around, oh, moving around, awesome. In yeah. the game itself. This is a new thing that's just been rolled out by a company. I think it costs like $150,000 to activate it on your event. But it was amazing. So in-game spectators. In-game spectators. Walking oh, around oh, with your oh, favorite oh. player. YouTube, watch out. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at you. You're shooting someone. You are you are passive biceps and I'm watching you shoot someone. And it was, you could get it on your Samsung Galaxy S8. It's, the S7, I think. So long as there was a VR capability, banged in your headset. Off you went. What's that going to do to game processing? Yeah, and this was, I think that this is the future. Yeah. I think we're going to find ourselves getting more into the game and being part of it, whether as a spectator, because some people don't like playing. Some people want to watch. And, yeah. and that's okay as well. So maybe you want to watch your kids. Or maybe, I like watching CS. I'm not very good at playing it. So I want to be able to be in that, yeah, in that area, stand there, see what the thought process is. And I think that that's the next step from a gaming point of view is it's going to be less about playing a game and, and more being about immersed and being in yeah. the game and being part of the game and like you can that. learn from it as well I mean that's that's about gamers watching what they play watching other people that are better than them doing it to it's another training level. tips and the, you could have a coach who steps inside. in and says let's, let's watch how they're kind of swinging or strategically placing their troops whatever you yeah. know <laughs> and you're kind of getting tips in there and from an right? education point of view think about yeah. the benefits here because I watched so someone said to me the other day um, I think it was about it was about blogging they were like well how do you know how to set up a blog I was like I don't know just learn it on YouTube because as far as I'm concerned anything you want to learn in the world you learn YouTube, it on YouTube, YouTube. there was yeah. a gent who even how to divide I had to teach my kids how to divide on YouTube, you know, YouTube. there we go there was, there's, there's a guy from Africa who was at the YouTube Creators Awards last year who taught himself his dream was to conduct music uh, and he lived in a he lived in a, in a rural area, but he had a phone. So he watched a YouTube tutorial for three months and practiced and practiced and practiced. And he now wow. he he conducts an orchestra somewhere in the states. Mm. They flew him out. He learnt on YouTube. Ah. I mean, there it is. So I think that what we'll start seeing is is that concept of you can learn this is on YouTube is now yeah. going to be you're going to step into this reality. You're going to be standing next to someone because I find it so much easier for me to see someone do something to yeah. learn from them, yeah. and they'll show Absolutely. you in that space where you can interact with it. And I do think that that idea from gaming of, of interacting and being in that immersive space, we're going to see that filter into education, filter into no, to business training. Absolutely. No, for sure. I mean, I think throwing it forward also, I've been thinking about the e-gaming community, and you're really plugged in internationally. Where do you see it going in SA, right? Are you starting to see the big sponsors plugging in? Is it going to start getting the traction that it really deserves? Oh, controversial topic. Okay, mm. so I'll give you my actual... <laughs> so we're seeing, I think in the last year, we've seen... Well, no, the last like three months, 
1 million rand tournament, 1 million mm. rand tournament, 1.7 million rand tournament, Telcom all these guys. Everyone's coming yeah. in, Samsung came in, then this one came in with more money, and this one came in with more money, and that's great. There's lots of money in esports, and that's very exciting for the players who I love dearly. I'm attached to most of them. I, I'm in that community, and, and I, I want them to succeed, but I don't think it's, it's translating to views on the screen. I don't think we're seeing the audiences. So overseas... So you're looking for the South African audience, right? The South so African you've audience. got to build their media proposition so they get their brand exposure. Because yeah, overseas, yeah. they fill... So the overseas esports internationally is... The only sporting event that is more viewed than esports events is the Super Bowl. Sure. It outperforms yeah. the FIFA World Cup. It outperforms... Sure. Well, and the, the prize money is, is ginormous the as well. The League of Legends final, apparently there were 20,000 people at the stadium. And there were 43 million people watching online. Oh. Exactly. And they they sell out cinemas. So they, if you go to Germany and there's a big competition oh, okay. on and you can't get into the stadium, mm. you can go to the cinemas. And they're selling out cinemas. And then there's guys watching at home. And yeah. the audiences are extreme. We don't have Do you the think audience. that's a disconnect, though, between traditional broadcasters trying to get into the eSport space but trying to do it in a traditional community way? First. The way that they know how to do it. Yeah, they've got to build yeah. community first. But there is a community here. Yeah. Yeah, They're just is. trying to do it in a way that's very traditional in there's terms of TV broadcast. There's 150,000 South African users on Twitch. Sure. So on that's Twitch. a good on Twitch. So registered on Twitch, 150,000 active users who are watching something. Mm. What does most people watch on Twitch? Esports, gaming. Yeah. Yeah. So they're watching yeah. something. They're not watching South African esports. I don't know why. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's production anymore because I think the organisations have come in this year and the production levels on point. The broadcast is on point, but they just don't seem to be pulling the audience. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know if it's just an awareness thing. It could be that maybe the I level. Think it's an awareness thing. Think about like. How much, I just think from my own kids and, and yeah. the discussion is the community is small and that community's got to stretch its legs out. And when, when mobile devices are doing it for it, we're not seeing the local South African community literally stretch. Like these kind of events like Icon, this is great, right? We're starting to stretch it more, but it should be even bigger, right? I think we should go to the next level. But it's difficult building communities. But, 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 but is, is it the quality of gaming in South Africa? I mean, is that the issue? No, I think that the, the level okay. is up there, and I think the players are good. I think that the problem mm. that we have in South Africa, and again, controversial, I'll get into trouble for saying this later, mm. is when I watch overseas, I'm invested in players because I know their stories. SK Gaming was a, a group of boys who were in Brazil. They put all their money together. They moved into a one-bedroom house in the States. They videoed the whole process. They, they streamed every day. They all slept on mattresses on the floor, cool. and they were... Cool. I'm in America and I'm going to make it big. And people cool. love, they're, they're now one of the best teams in the world. People yeah. love them. People love them because they knew their story. They were invested in that story. The, the personalities are, are very clear. Pasha Biceps is like one of my favorite people to watch online. He's so funny and yeah. he's such a nice guy. And he, he, yeah. Pasha Biceps because he's this big built guy and he makes jokes about it. And I think that the problem here is maybe the community. For so long, gamers, and this is an international thing, but it, it, more so here, like something like this was weird to the general public. This yeah. is strange. You're nerdy. That's that's yeah. not my so thing. And gaming is yeah. oh, you know, you're, you're antisocial, and that's you're a nerd. Like, and I think that it's anything here, yeah, whether it be cosplay or gaming or board games, or you're a nerd. And the problem is, is because of that, as a community, we've closed ourselves off because yeah. we're so used to being mocked or or made to feel inferior because of something we're interested in yeah, that it's easier just to stay away from it. And the problem is now, in order to get 
the general public Got involved, yeah. we're going to have to stand up and be like, come, like, come and join yeah. us. And you don't want to because you, you're used to this, this sort of negative feedback. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the problem. We haven't told the stories. I mean, I told you that story of Massacre, and, and that's just a little story, but straight away you know his personality. Yeah. He's this cool character, and you, you want to meet him, and, you, and he's funny, and you want to hang out with him. But you don't know that if I don't tell you. And I think that yeah. that's, we have to tell more stories and share more of that with the general public. How we do that, I don't know, because I don't think esports transitions to general broadcast. I think the stories is the biggest thing. Everything's yeah. about experience. Everything's got to be worth sharing. And I think we're moving into this age of, sto- of the story again. I think stories becoming the epitome of everything we do. Um, one of the first shows I was a part of on Cliff Central was we actually had Red, Red Eye, Paul Challenger, the shoutcaster. Yes. We had him on with us. And that was going crazy. I mean, he literally shoutcasted the entire interview with us. And it was like, well, this is different. He's the coolest. Isn't he the raddest he is. human? He's like, and he just got stabbed in the neck. Oh, my God. It's like, but he takes it to a whole other level. It's not just like, you're not just watching a game. You're actually living it with this guy. And it's like, he's telling a story about the game. You're not just watching or just spectating. It's like, wow, this is really something. Yeah. And I think when you get people that buy into what's happening, the story becomes really authentic. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between the community around gaming is that people aren't trying to yes we have cosplay and we're dressing up and we, we, we've got uh, handles that depict who we are but there's we're still authentic humans we still want to be reached on an authentic level and I think when the story becomes authentic that becomes true I think what traditional broadcasters are doing today is they're commentating it they're, they're very much narrating a script almost of oh and then this guy is going to shoot that guy whereas Red Eye gets really involved he's like he's one of the guys What's, I think what's also interesting though is if you if you look at that since so what you said about the the local guys just they just commentate it is what they forget is that for so long they, they look at what happens overseas so now you've got a stadium with twenty thousand people and it looks this particular way it looks like a normal super, like a, a TV broadcast but actually what you forget is that for years building up to that these guys the the red eyes of the world were it was him and his mates and they were at home trying to tell their friends the story online yes. and they were invested in that and they were building that story and telling that story and. The reason 20,000 people sit in a stadium now and watch them is not just for the players and the games. It's for those stories as well, that, that they want to follow these guys and as they build. And I think that that's where they miss the, the mark a little bit, maybe. Yeah. So, guys, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I know there's a couple of people in the audience. If you do have any questions and you do want to throw it forward and get a feeling of, you always thought, well, what is gaming going to look like in 30 years or something like that, please put your hand up. And we do have a, a mic going around. Um, Bev, we've got someone over there. We'll take a quick question. Well, I... Yeah. Nice. That Good voice. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I understand what you're saying about how gaming has developed technology and all that. But the thing is, you can also look at it as a double-edged blade. Because now, for example, let's say, as you said, with the whole VR story. Love the idea, all that. But now let's say you take a 12-year-old child that who's stopping him from buying, let's say, Call of Duty. He's not mentally prepared for all this, oh, crap, I just shot someone, oh, this and that. How will that now affect? Because as technology grows, let's take Battlefield 1. It's becoming more realistic. Now you're actually in the war. Now, how that affects the poor child, how do you stop or prevent that point where he says, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. There's anything, for example, now he's sleeping in bed, all of a sudden a truck drives past his house, uh, backfire maybe, bang, oh shit, fuck, runs out of the room, starts crying, hits something. 
What's stopping that? Because technology has been great, like you said, brings the community together. But also on the other point, the community has also built the whole elitist and then the casuals. Like, you can see it's in CSGO, Dota, League, and many uh, games. You will always find, just look anywhere on the internet, the toxicity levels of certain ones and certain not. How will you also improve that? Because if you can also complete that, that will also, in my opinion, I believe will also grow the South African community a lot better because now let's say I have got a MR ranking Dota of 10 million, whatever, unrealistic. Now, this guy that's trying to learn something new starts playing you, and you bash his head in because what the fuck are you doing? You do this, do this, do this. How will he now feel about, I don't want to play this anymore. But that's also another thing we, yeah. we're also trying to push out. How, do you, how will you affect those two questions? Sir, that's yours. I'm going to answer both. One, how do you stop your kid from getting upset about VR and, and that real-life experience? Well, you're, if you're a parent, you should probably not let your 11-year-old play Call of Duty in a VR experience. I, they, I think do have, they do have age restrictions on them. They have, have age restrictions. On them. I think that what's going to happen, and, and this is important, is that parents are going to have to get more involved. They're going to have to educate yeah. themselves on games. Yeah. And I think it does come down to parents having to, to pay a bit more attention to what their kids are doing online. That's the only way to solve that, uh, which doesn't really answer your question. I mean, I'm just passing the blame on but someone that's else. That's the thing. Uh, is, is a, is a R18 movie the responsibility of the movie makers to control the children that watch it, or is it the parents at home to control them? It's My the same dad used rule. to let me watch Star Trek when I was like seven, and I had no clue what I was watching. So, I mean, to be honest, like, I think it's the parents. I loved it, and I think I grew up just fine. But I understand what you're saying. So I think parents have to decide what they want to let their child have access to, and that, that's going to come down to them. That's... The, the tech can't slow down to try and stop that. that that's something that parents are going to have to do. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 as so a parent, I agree. Hold on, we've lost the microphone. Wait, no, wait, let's just answer the second question. I, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but um, it was more of an example. I'm talking about the broader spectrum. Let's say now, for example, I, now, I am now 24. Now I can buy Call of Duty, which is age restriction 18. But the problem is now, I've, let's say I've played now all of every Call of Duty, great, everything. But now, since it's only on the screen, now all of a sudden I'm immersed in it. I'm not ready for that. How do you prepare the guy from saying, oh shit, shit, exactly. Like then he becomes that mentality of a small child of saying, oh crap, something scary, what's happening now? I only use the example of the small child because I know I've seen it happen many times where the parents are too soft on the children. It's like, mommy, mommy, I want that game. Then the store counter will say, I can't sell it to you. But the problem is the parents will buy it for them. I understand that. that we can't fix that. But my the problem is like the technology, since it's rapidly increasing, great. But the problem is also, we have to also real, condition right? our the mind yeah. also of the people. Because if you've got a, if you suddenly just jump into a water and you've never learned to swim at any age, yeah. There's going to be sudden shock. What you're going to do? Okay. Cool. So the second question we had as well. Do you want to have a go at that, which was around the esports community yeah, in South Africa is toxic yeah. as hell. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think the that the I'm going to say it. It is elitist. It's toxic. I think that the top level guys are sometimes dicks. I, I've told them this millions of times before. But and, and there is a divide between casual and and high end. And I think that that's very the very reason why a lot of the casual gamers don't watch the top level guys because they're rude in game, they're difficult, 
The egos it's, are bigger. The, than the egos game. are bigger. Those conversations are happening behind the scenes. People are trying, and it's an education thing as well. It is sportsmanship, right. and I just don't think that anyone's ever sat down with a 16-year-old who's really, really good at a game and been like, "You're actually a leader in the community, yeah. and you you need to you need to behave in a certain way." No one's had that conversation with them. It is happening behind the scenes. The MGOs are getting more involved. They're working on trying to improve that. A lot of the big teams are trying to start doing training camps with casual gamers, get more involved. It's going to take a long time to fix. The problem is there. The, I think that the leaders in the esports community are aware of it, and they're trying to change it. And there is stuff on the way that will change it. There's casual gaming competitions that are going to come into play. There's some tournaments that are going to be announced soon that are going to make all the difference. But it's a process, and it takes time. But I agree with you. that There is a problem there. I think that the scene is aware of it, and now we just need to fix it. I heard a story about the, one of the, the national South Korean gaming team. I mean, they've got dietitians. They've got psychologists. They've got guys that actually work with them to say, let's make sure you're the best you can be, like they were actual sportsmen, athletes. They are athletes. But they are held in such high esteem in a good way that the local soccer team or the national soccer team was feeling down one day. So they got visited by the e-gaming team. And they were like, you guys are the best. And like the e-gaming team were the heroes to the national soccer team. And the soccer guys are going, oh my God, this is amazing. And like, there is a healthy way of getting that done. I mean, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be guys in the higher echelons. We should be praising guys that are really doing really, really well. I mean, we have that in sports today. So it shouldn't be any different in esports. But it's got to be done in a it's way that it's got to be more right? inclusive. I think is the thing. People have got to realize that they can, they too, can become a part of that. And I think that's where we're learning. And I think that's where your revenues come, right? The more inclusive, the more you broaden it, the, the greater your reach, the more the revenue. And I think it, it's definitely a maturity thing, Mike. Yeah. No. Uh, sorry. I just is there another question in the audience there? Yes. Sorry. Hello. Um, my question is, how do you see? These types of technologies, especially the VR and the AR conferencing, that kind of on-the-spot immersiveness, how is that going to affect people's ability to imagine? I mean, I'm at this con, there's not a lot of people at the role-playing pen and paper, because everything's given to you, everything is delivered to you straight up. Where's your imagination going to go? No, that's fascinating. Yeah. Do you want, I, I can pick I, up another. I've other never view. thought of it. No, you should answer that because now I'm quite sad. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> so you actually have raised the point. Like, where is technology going to the point where it's going to be so real? How do you know if you're in reality or actually in the experience, right? And okay. So how, how do you create? How yeah. do you encourage someone to create more and to imagine and to think bigger I than? Did, what I did hear someone on the talk. I can't. Sorry, I can't talk. Quote them, but uh, I did hear a talk recently where they were saying nothing will actually kill imagination. That's what's wild about us being human: is that we actually naturally have an imagination, an imagination in us. That's where, that's one of the big differences between this automated, artificial, intelligent world and us. We can still create, we can still make music, we can still do something against a plan, and it'll be imagination. So whether I mean, it's all hy- hypothetical discussion, but. Yeah, yeah. It's a, good, it's a good point. Can VR kill imagination? Well, I don't, I don't think it can. Think about the, the, the Google Draw sketch environment where, where, where it's bringing this the element into artwork, right? And it's just blowing people's minds away that you can flip between colors and everything. Yeah, you, but, but, but that also, st- I mean, if, if we look at uh, drawing, just taking the drawing, yeah. if I give my three-year-old child a, 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 color, a color by numbers book, that's killing their imagination. 
So, so the, the question is a far more complex question that you're actually asking. And the critical thing that comes down to imagination is to train the, your, your ability to imagine. And it's like all things in life. If we don't use it, you will lose it. If you use it, you will develop the strength and muscle. I also think if you step into a, a virtual world, sometimes it'll just open that imagination yeah. up because it allows you to just think so much bigger than, than where you possibly were yeah. and, and, and give you an experience that makes you think so much more. Um, so, I mean, there's pros and cons. There was a, a thing about virtual reality being a, a tool used for getting people into spaces and places that maybe they wouldn't be able to get into. Um, so it's very difficult to imagine a space you've never been. You, or you have the only thing you can do is imagine. But now you can actually start, you can broaden your imagination by saying, well, now I've seen what it's like inside there or in the back line of the NFL game. I know what it's like to be in that game. But now I can broaden my imagination to, to maybe more things that I would have had access to without VR. So it's a great question. I think it's going to drive, it's a, it's a rotating question. It's going to be about, about the evolution of how we use the technology. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for all the people in the audience and Icon for having us at Futurology. We, we want to get a final thought. Um, Sam, your, your view, your last final thought on kind of where you're excited about where the gaming world is going. I'm really excited about virtual reality because it means that I never have to leave my house and deal with people. <laughs> <laughs> my Winning! Sales. <laughs> that sales will increase. Uh, well, well uh, my final thought is lovely to have actually met you. I don't know if I'll ever see you again after that comment. <laughs> so thank you. It's been fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, I look forward to having you on the show again. Yeah, I think there's so definitely much so much stuff. Thank yeah. you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this, we've, only, we've only scratched the surface of what's, what's happening yeah. with technology and gaming. Is that true? I think it might be a virtual reality chicken. Yeah. Yeah. The oriental turkey is <laughs> The, the X-Men over there is chasing his imaginary chicken. But, <laughs> so we're going into things where heads-up displays are being used in, in military, and, and not even in military, with cognitive recognition being, being available with AI and cameras being used in industrial spaces. So love to have you on a show where we talk more about how gaming really has driven that type of technology. Yeah. But Brett, wrap it yep. up. So... Absolutely fantastic show. Thank you very much for being part of the audience today. Um, it truly is going to be redefining our future in technology even further. And I think we're living through exciting times. Please follow us on at Futurology Show. If you're listening and you're podcasting, give us a five-star rating. And to next time, thank you very much. This is CliffCentral.com.